welcome back to Give Me Some Truth. And in the beginning of the year, it's always fun because it's the beginning of the year, but also because looking forward, we can talk about some of the thoughts on the horizon and highlight our Walkner Condon 2024 outlook piece. So Keith and I are in the booth. I'm Mitch. And it's been a while since Keith and I have been in the booth. This is kind of a cross-border I- interaction. Yeah, uh, kind of uh, unique, um, I- especially, you know, part of it is um, my piece was more domestic-leaning than it's been in the past, I would say, but also um, just because, you know, the U.S. market dominates the conversation ag- across the world. And, and, you know, when you talk about the U.S. market, um, you know, the, the old axiom is when the U.S. sneezes, the world catches a cold. So, you know, it's it's one of those cases where we're we're talking about I think very similar things, so it makes sense and, you know, some I think the last couple of times it's been ESG, which again has global ramifications and so on and so forth. So, uh, you know, it makes sense that we're here together yeah. today. Yeah. Um and I'm, I'm and glad to be back with you. Uh, you know, this it is kind of fun. Yeah, it's huh. a it's a throwback. Uh, it's a throwback. You know, a little nostalgia. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of um, like back to the future. Indeed, indeed. Throwback. Speaking of Back to the Future, <laughs> uh, that you know, 1986, uh, very close to the last time your beloved Lions won a, a playoff <laughs> game. So my uh, beloved Lions, yes, they won a playoff game for the second time in my life, basically. So, yeah, yeah. that uh, I, I am younger. I am in my 30s, but yes, that is how few victories the Lions have. <laughs> Uh, yeah, in uh, the last uh, three plus decades, and so we are, yeah, truly going back to the future in that way, I, I suppose. Yeah, um, and Michigan won the national championship. I know. What yeah. is happening? Like I pinch like myself the, daily. The 1986 Bo Schemblecker <laughs> era. era. Um, uh. Uh, now, uh, you know, our, our theme is back to the future, and I think, um, you know, both of us kind of when we got into into things, you know, looking at the two things that we're talking about, and and in Mitch's case, you know, talking more about what we've what has been called the the soft landing, and you know, on my side, you know, the the traditional approach and what really came out in the '80s, and that's part of the reason why we're kind of going back to the future was in order to fight inflation, you had to basically raise interest rates to such a level that you created a recession, and one of the debates going in to kind of, you know, 2021 into 2022 where we really saw inflation and the Fed really kind of push the, the you know, lever, push the pedal to the floor, to use the DeLorean metaphor in terms of reducing inflation. Um, you know, what a lot of people thought was it was going to be a repeat of the 80s. And, you know, what happened in the 80s? Well, so we had had about... And one of the things that, you know, people misunderstand or misunderstood, we had had basically a decade of inflation going into the late 1970s. Uh, Richard Nixon, in order to keep unemployment low in, in advance of his, his uh, reelection, actually pushed for higher inflation because he believed, you know, there's a longstanding belief that there's a relationship between inflation and employment, that uh, inflation is a result of a faster-moving economy, and a faster-moving economy means lower uh, unemployment. And so that started early in the, in the 70s. And so you had, by the late 1970s, the, the fair, uh, chair of the Federal Reserve, 
Paul Volcker basically was like, in order to get rid of this long-standing inflation, and it you know was not we're not talking hyperinflation. We're not talking Germany in the 1920s. Um, we have to basically raise interest rates, slow the economy down, and eventually, as you know, Mitch and I, very similar kind of age, you you know, if you are our age or if you're our parents' age, they will tell you about their first mortgage yes. that they got because the Federal Reserve had raised interest rates to 13 or 14 percent in an effort to kind of, you know, slow down inflation. And, that and none of them feel bad for the interest rates that we're seeing now. Yeah, it's, it's really <laughs> hard. Our mortgages yeah. when, they, when they hear a you know, millennial or someone younger than that complain about the current mortgage interest rate environment. Yep. And, and that could be yeah. a whole other tangent. Yeah, uh, you know, 7.5 compared to 17.5. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, with the, the housing market, you know, one thing that people often lose sight of, by the way, tangent, uh, you know, yeah. is that well, housing. Give me some truth. Yeah. <laughs> housing prices don't necessarily just drop like the stock market when you see interest rates go up. They tend to decline slower over time. And so what you may see is, you know, and during COVID, we had huge housing cost spikes. Housing costs went up quite a bit. What you'll see is not necessarily uh, a rapid increase in prices, but a, a, a moderating of those increases, and maybe even they'll stay flat for a while as, as interest rates you know, push things down and so on and so forth. So, and then the other problem we have is, you know, people who locked in low interest rate mortgages don't necessarily want to give them up to move to a seven and a half percent because the way, you know, a lot of people work is, is thinking about what's my monthly payment on my house. Tangent aside. <laughs> so what, you know, the prediction was essentially was, well, if the Fed ra raises interest rate to bring down inflation, we're going to have a recession. What then is a soft landing, Mitch? Yeah, so the hard landing is what you described, right? So we'll kind of define soft and hard. The hard landing is, yeah, boom, rates increase, cause of recession, right, in, in a simplified way. And in my, my piece, I, I also talk about the soft landing is not that, right? Essentially, hey, we're able to tame inflation. And then the landing is, is referring to kind of the health of the economy, the landing into something where you don't kill and crush the economy. And, you know, inflation is at a, at a I'll say, reasonable rate. Uh, the Fed might define that differently than, than others, but, you know, their, their target is around 2%. And the, um, the other piece is maximum employment, right? So if that's around 4%, then that's considered, hey, we're an economy that is humming along, um, it's never going to be, you know, everyone working all at once, but 4% is kind of considered that, that maximum employment phase. If, if 4% is, is unemployed. Um, so, you know, knowing those two things, if, if there's a couple of measures that they have in place that can be used to define that, that's, that's one way to, to look at a, a soft landing. Um, and then one of the studies I referenced quite a bit in my piece, uh, a gentleman named Blinder, who was he at Princeton or Harvard? A a Alan Blinder was at Princeton and Princeton. Yep, worked Thank on you. the Federal Reserve and yep, yep. And uh, he was a vice chair, and he did a study over several decades, from '65 to to 2022, and in that period of time, there were 11 different periods of time where we saw this this 
inflation start to rise? What was the response? Tightening, raising rates, and then the outcome, right, is the landing that we're talking about. So is the landing hard, soft, but then, oh, by the way, I'll enter another little definition here, soft-ish. <laughs> Which like is, a true academic, yeah, you yes. got to make sure you get more terms in there. I can Soft relate. Soft-ish, yeah. and it's kind of in between, right? Well, <laughs> that's where the, the piece gets interesting, and, and we don't need to get into every – well, actually, we're not in this, in, in this podcast, and I didn't even in my article get into all 11. If you want to research all 11, go read Blinder's piece. Um, but I highlighted Which a few of those. Which is linked to in the article. <laughs> Which is also linked in the article. But, but the conclusion is that – out of those 11, there were, there were five soft or soft-ish landings. So um, soft-ish, instead of just saying, that's eh, kind of between soft and hard, which, which it kind of is, um, <laughs> it's one of those where in some cases, you, they may have gotten it under control, um, and then it, it may have been a healthy economy, but then at some times... It later, we'd actually see kind of a reemergence of inflation, and then they might actually deem that a new period of tightening after the fact. So it's kind of like, okay, it's we didn't really see a crash in the economy. We didn't see a, a, a recession or a depression or anything like that, but it was kind of ho-hum, and then we may have seen inflation creep back in, and then all of a sudden we're entering a new tightening cycle. And I think, you know, I- in my piece, you know, and, and kind of playing off of the Back to the Future theme, we go back to 1986, right? And and 1986, 85, uh, 84, 85, you know, is when you started seeing kind of inflation under control. You know, basically in the United States in the, the early 1980s, you had what was called a double dip recession. We had a recession and they kind of paused and then we saw inflation come up again, and so they, you know, again put raised interest rates on uh, from the Fed, and caused another recession. And then finally, by eighty four, eighty five, you know, inflation had come under control, and in fact, the the Fed started lowering rates from that very high. And so you can look at, you know, the the jumps in that piece. And one thing to you know that. I think is important for understanding my, you know, my piece is that more than even just lowering rates, a big part of what you saw was volatility in interest rates. You saw the top and the bottom within a year being pretty far apart. And, you know, last year we saw a lot of, you know, raising of rates, but you also saw just huge swings within it. And in the, you know, mid 80s, as you got later into, you know, the late 80s, um, there was lowering, there was softening, but then what, what hit was, oh boy, inflation is creeping back up in the late 80s. And so the Fed responded again by essentially tightening. And, you know, a lot of people believe that the kind of recession of 1990, 1991 helped, you know, make George Herbert Walker Bush a one-term president because, you know, you had the tightening of the the interest rates, the economy slowed down in 1991, and, you know, a poor economy is not great for an incumbent president. And so that has also colored a lot of the political analysis that we've seen. But I think that period in the 1980s where you saw 
tightening. Ooh, we loosened up. Oh, inflation's back. Really kind of speaks to what you're talking about where you have the, the new tightening, softish tightening cycle, you know, and and I think it does speak to the fact that one of the things that people were really worried about when we saw inflation, which we hadn't seen levels like that since the early 80s, was, oh, my goodness, you know, we're this is going to be a long battle and a tough battle to, to get through. Yeah, for sure. And and the other thing that we haven't talked about so far in this podcast, too, is is just completely external factors, right? It's not like the Fed is the only one that is going to influence these. You know, we talk about supply shocks and um, war, right? Like, that's actually one of the things that in some of these different cycles where, you know, at the end of the 80s, um, Iraq invaded Kuwait, Gulf War, supply shock, and, you know, the price of of oil and things gets out of hand for a while. And, and uh, similarly, you know, more recently in 2021, 22, right, we saw some some shocks throughout the global economy as well. And, and that's going to play a part in this whole inflation discussion. And, that well, and, and the it, Fed can't yeah. control those things. Yep. So. And, and in the 19, you know, mid uh, late 1970s, one of the things you saw as well. By the way, when we say tightening, just to be clear, we're talking about raising interest rates. Um, you know, and so, and to step all the way back, and hopefully you haven't tuned us off because we're, you know, <laughs> just speaking in jargon here. But, you know, the, one of the ways that the Federal Reserve regulates the money supply circulating in the economy is by making it more expensive to borrow. And the way they do that is basically increase the, the uh, Federal Reserve funds rate, which is the rate that banks get when they basically put money with the Federal Reserve. Um, and that's like, you know, the safest place to kind of put money. And what that means is then, you know, if we're getting that for just giving it to the Fed, you know, what are we going to do for loans? Well, we're going to have to raise the interest rates to 8% if we're going to loan it out on the street rather than you know, to the overnight window, essentially. And so you usually you see between a 2 and 3% gap between those, something that fluctuates over time. You know, banks may need to do it more because, you know, they've been, they've lo- lent out so much money at lower in interest rates, and so, you know, they need to cover some of that. But, you know, you look at that. Well, and the same goes for business loans and so on. And so when a business is thinking about expanding and they're running their their profit, right, they look at, okay, should we you know, uh, build this new factory or, you know, do these if we need a loan, you know, should we build this new factory? Well, at 8% interest, you know, it doesn't make as much sense as it did at 4 or 5% interest. And so that is what slows things down in terms of the economy. And so, you know, that's just one thing to kind of keep in mind when we talk about tightening or loosening, you know, lowering interest rates, making money more available, right? And so, you know, what you had was in the 1970s another supply shock, right? And and OPEC restricted the price of oil, and that caused prices to go up. And you know, so th- there are a lot. Uh, I guess the the point I'm making is there are a lot of, like you said, a lot of factors. And thinking softish, soft, you know, inflation being hard to get rid of um, shaped a lot a lot of this thinking. Yeah. And another thought I had just on this whole softish piece because one of the questions that 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 um, was was posed in this article that, that Blinder wrote that I mentioned was, was there a landing at all, right, for some of these softest landings? So I, I think of, 
like a uh, an aircraft aircraft carrier and there's an aircraft coming into land, right? How many movies have we seen or videos on YouTube or whatever where it comes in, it kind of maybe hits the deck, but then it, it doesn't quite catch, and then it, it kind of yep. it goes right off the end of the aircraft carrier again and flies and let's try it over again. Yep. Uh, right. Well, in another 1986 <laughs> movie, Top Gun, right? Boom. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Back perfect. to the Future, there was a sequel, what, two years ago. So <laughs> Right. Uh, so, you know, you kind of think of that like, was there a landing at all? And, and not quite, you know. Um, the hard ones, you surely know and feel, yep. it, it seems like. And, and to transition a little bit from, because I, I have no idea how we're doing on timing, but, you know, we talk a little bit about the historical context here. We talked about the 70s, 80s, a little bit of the 90s. And there's some similarities between some of these rate hike cycles. And it's like, what can we learn about from those applying to today? Similarities, differences, but then going forward. And, and some people seem to think, yeah, we've landed. It's soft. Well, let's continue to watch the data. Let's yep. not get too greedy. You know, let's not declare victory quite yet. I, I surely don't think the Fed is declaring victory. Yeah, and I, I think that's one of the, the important things. I think that may be the most important lesson that we can take from the Fed as opposed to maybe the markets, right? Mm -hmm. And in late December, when basically the Federal Reserve made their announcement they weren't raising interest rates, one of the responses was we saw, you know, the old what's called the Santa Claus rally, right, where stocks take off in, into Christmas. And there was a, you know, sense um, that, oh, things are going, you know, the right way. One thing we should also note, we're, uh, well, we'll come back to it, but, you know, things are going the right way. And I think, you know, what we have to keep in mind is just looking back to the 1980s and hopefully you know, something that's come out of this from us is every time is unique, right? Yes. The 1980s were their own unique piece. Um, you know, the 1980s were not, the inflation was not related to, as, as you had mentioned, you know, uh, uh, a global pandemic, right? We did have an oil shock with, you know, Russia invading Ukraine. Mm -hmm. um, so that, you know, rearranges the, the, the math. And I think that's really, if, if you're looking for a lesson and what the Fed is really, taken from all of this is they're right now, you know, the headline from a, a financial times piece that I, I quote in my article is the fed is in wait and see mode. And I think really, if you're going to look at that, and so we're going to see a lot of debates, have we achieved the soft landing? Mm -hmm. Right. And it's, it's too soon to tell, I yes. think would be the, the argument, you know, we're maybe in softish. We might be in softish landing territory. Yeah. 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 I should think so. Yeah. But yeah, you know, I would say, however, people are much more optimistic about the state of the economy mm. and that that possibility of, of kind of getting out without carnage right. than they were six months ago, eight months ago, you know, where if you look at, you know, and, and one of the things, you know, you do your year-end reviewing is everybody got 2023 wrong. <laughs> you know, yes. every equity forecaster was market's going to be down, market's going to be down. And what was anything in our 2023 outlook wrong or did we just nail it? Did we uh, I think, I, I think it was a hundred percent all the way. Pretty through. sure we got it. Yeah. 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 hundred percent. Okay. Um, right. you know, just want to check. <laughs> I think I, I talked about bonds last year. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and so, so I'm willing to accept my, you know, my mo one prediction was if we look back at the kind of 1980s, I think we're in an era of more bond volatility than we were from basically 2012 to 2020 when things were pretty, calm and easy going in the in the global bond market i think we will see more month to month 
fluctuation in bonds over the you know near term because people right now there's so much incentive to kind of guess with the Fed when they're going to do it and you know people don't have the clear read necessarily because the idea of the Fed just being in wait and see mode doesn't jive with what they're expecting which is you know they're they're saying oh we're kind of softish landing yeah, right yeah let's wait and see yep. whereas the market wants black or white they don't love right. gray the market hates uncertainty right right because because the one thing we absolutely knew is that inflation skyrocketed in the last couple of years and then we also know that it it is scaling back right we're not in a in a deflationary environment um but but disinflation surely right and it it's not at the point where where the Fed would like it necessarily, but it's it's much more tolerable. Well, and right and for the general consumer. Yeah, and, and one thing to keep in mind, you know, there are a couple of different things. The Fed uses one set of numbers. We use a diff, you know, consumers use a different set of numbers, yep. and the Fed generally will look year over year or a six month period when they think about inflation. When you look at academic studies, people think of inflation as like two or three year so we're still going into the grocery store and going eh, the box of cereal is more expensive than it was two years ago mm -hmm. uh by a great deal but what the fed is looking at and the fed looks at something called the uh pce index versus most of us think of the consumer price right. index the CPI. headline inflation yeah, is headline and the, that's just the personal consumption expenditures index and everything about that is saying it's pretty close to the two-year target that the fed has mm -hmm. Uh, the 2% target. Mm -hmm. And if they're there, you know, they're in wait and see because frequently we've seen, oh, inflation ticks up again. Our data will come in. Yep. <laughs> and and so, you know, yeah, we're in that. I, I think softish might be the best at, you know, and, and yeah. we made fun of it, you know, because, well, what does that mean? Well, it only really means anything in retrospect, right? Yeah, right. We can only really say, oh, that's softish. Exactly. Um, but, you know, one, one of the final things that I want to make, uh, points I want to make is what may have paved the way for this is that everybody looked at the 1980s as their guide. And, you know, a lot of economists of a certain age made their bones in the 1980s, right? And Paul Volcker is a hero because he kind of did this to bring down inflation. But the 1970s were a period where Monetary policy was accommodative, as I mentioned under Nixon. Yeah, we had deficit spending, um, but we had long-term inflation. Inflation had been going on for eight years, right? And there are plenty of historical periods where, you know, the blinder, you know, could point to where we had more, and this is where the, you get in trouble, transitory inflation, right? Mm -hmm. And what everybody kind of misunderstood, and there's a, piece uh, last week in The Economist that talks about it. Transitory for economists means something different than transitory means to you and I, right? Mm -hmm. We think of transitory as like a time period. Inflation from, you know, today to tomorrow. And, you know, we think of transitory, short time, right? Well, what for an economist, inflation transitory means is it caused by monetary policy or is it caused by external events, the supply shocks that you pointed to. And, you know, there were a lot of indicators that until kind of the invasion of, of Ukraine by Russia, 
inflation, yeah, it hit a, a higher point, but it was starting to moderate. You know, the numbers were starting to come back. There was some argument because we were actually in a pre- beef, brief period of deflation early on in the pandemic because everybody just tightened up. Mm-hmm. And as bad as inflation is, deflation is worse. <laughs> if you take nothing else from this podcast, you don't want deflation. Um, and so, you know, but as soon as we saw that inflation, the, the economists who had come of age in the 1970s, 1980s, you know, a bit like the man with a hammer thinks everything is a nail, you know, we're, okay, this is what's going to happen. You know, we're going to, and you can go back to other periods where we saw that, you know, after World War II, you had inflation. Um, why did you have inflation? Well, you had price controls. You had, you know, huge amounts of military spending. You had all these people coming back, looking for homes, looking for refrigerators. And you had a, the supply wasn't up there because the economy hadn't transitioned from producing bombers to re- producing refrigerators. You know, I just uh, on the plane watched Ford versus Ferrari, the, the movie. Uh, and, you know, Henry Ford II points out to his factory and said, hey, you know, in World War II, we were building bombers there, you know. And so they weren't building Fords, yep. you know. So the idea that you shift and move resources, and the same thing happened during COVID. We went, remember when everybody was, you couldn't buy patio furniture, mm-hmm. um, you know, bicycles, those sorts of things. So you, you saw these things come through. So I think, you know, whenever you look at these issues, monetary policy plays a part, but as you said, there, there are other things, these kind of unknowns out there that you have to take into account. So I think the, the Fed is just kind of waiting. We may get another supply shock, mm-hmm. you know, Right. Um, but so softish, wait and see. I guess we've been so- softest, wait and see, and and uh, we we want a soft landing. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. N- none well, of us here is and rooting and for a recession. No, and <laughs> and if a hard landing does occur, we've seen them before. We'll get through it at some point, right? I hope. I hope if that were to happen, right, then I hope it's not as deep as something like we saw during the financial crisis. And there were a whole other slew of issues, you know, in oh eight oh nine, but. Um, don't hope for that, but at the same time, we still could have a hard landing. It seems softish for now. Um, most people seem to be more confident, I think, where we are now, surely, than we have been over the last year or so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is, it's, is encouraging. Yeah. So. And, and I think, yeah, that's the, the case with the, you know, and I, I hope that's what the Fed continues to do is, you know, what do you do when the facts change? You know, I changed my mind, uh, you know, so wait and see. And if, you know, we see continued worries about wage increases and in wage inflation, you know, that could that gets passed on to the consumer. So, yeah, um, but overall, you know, softish isn't the, the, the most bullish sounding, <laughs> you know, idea. I, I'm not I, here I, to make a bold prediction. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know what everyone else's I think podcast consti- is going to look like. Yeah, but I, constitutionally, you know. I would say we're not two bold prediction guys. No, no, I never have been. Um, and maybe that's just the nature of what we do. It's like, hey, pr- you know, try to take a conservative approach sometimes. Try not to, to get yourself in a hole, you know, yeah. by some bold claim, but. Yeah, but uh, I think it's also you know a lot of the time, you know you don't get on TV being boring, right? Um, and you know a lot of what w- you hope for, right, is boring, right? You know, so softish, a- softish approach from our perspective can 
limit the damage in a, in a lot of cases. For um, sure. And so, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, with Give Me Some Truth, you, you find us interesting, not boring, <laughs> but we're not, you know, trying to make the claim that's going to get get headlines. Exactly. You know, we and and can take boring and make it interesting sometimes. Yeah. Um. And, and so <laughs> our goal, really, in, in kind of talking about this stuff, is maybe to serve as as a counterweight to you know the screaming heads, you know, two offices down that <laughs> that Stan has on on the the cable financial <laughs> news network, where you know. And that, that, that's the final thing that, you know, we'll say. We're not, unlike the, the people that you may hear on, you know, the various financial news channels, a lot of times they have an agenda. They're talking about what they're trying, what, they, what their positions are in their mutual fund or hedge fund or what their bets are. Right. And that's what they're trying to push. We're not trying to push, you know. We're, we try to construct portfolios for our clients that are going to do the best over the long run, within the kind of limitations of, of the market, um, but we're not pushing a short-term advantage uh, or a, a, a perspective or a particular idea or a particular trade. Mm-hmm. You know, our uh, when we have our investment committee meetings, it's what are what are the facts? What are the so? Hopefully, we gave you that a little bit today. Yeah, and thank you all for joining us. We always enjoy being in the booth for "Give Me Some Truth." Feel free to leave us some feedback. Check out the article for yeah. sure. Hopefully, the, hopefully the, the feedback isn't you guys are boring. But, you know, we did invite if that's ourselves. that's the case, yeah. hey, boring <laughs> we in a can good live way. with that. Boring in a good way. <laughs> we can live with that. <laughs> so thanks again. Check out the Outlook, and we will talk to you all soon. Walker Condon Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Registration with the SEC does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The opinions expressed by the participants of this podcast are their own and do not reflect the opinions of Walkner Condon Financial Advisors. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and unless otherwise stated are not guaranteed. The information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for any individual. Viewers are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. You gotta leave your money behind you. Raise your hand to the sky. Ask the masses for silence